You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Like I said, tonight's week one of our brand new series. We're looking at these things called spiritual disciplines. Whoa. Look at your neighbor say, whoa. Look to your other neighbor, say, spiritual disciplines. That's what we're doing. This is a series. We're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines for the rest of the year. We're going to be in this series for a hot minute. It's going to be a while till we get to a new series. But I'm telling you, we are going to cover some really good stuff. I could not be more excited about getting to explore what the heck are spiritual disciplines. We're going to be talking about this. And God's got some good stuff for you. I believe it. But do you believe it, New Song students? I'm just curious. Did anybody come ready to hear God's word tonight? Okay. So if you did, do whatever you need to do. We say this every week, but I'm telling you, do whatever you need to do to get to small groups with something that you learned. So if that's taking notes, if if that's like not texting that group text that y'all do sometimes. I see y'all. I see y'all. That's right. I went there. I'm just kidding. I'm not trying to call y'all out, but for real, pay attention. Uh, <laughs> do whatever you need to do because, hey, check this out. We believe that every time we get in God's word, he wants to speak to you. Does anybody else believe that? So do whatever you need to do to get yourself in a place where when you go to small group, you have something. Amen? Okay, so we're looking at spiritual disciplines, but tonight, I'm just going to warn you, we're actually not going to talk about any spiritual disciplines specifically. <laughs> Because we're going to be in this series for a while, and we can do that later. So we can procrastinate a little bit, okay? We're going to procrastinate, but here's why. It's because my burden really tonight, my heart, is that we would have, check this out, that we would have a healthy understanding of why we need spiritual disciplines in the first place. Because here's the thing. we got to understand this about spiritual disciplines. All they are is simply tools, They're simply tools to help you experience real life, but they don't give you real life. Spiritual disciplines don't give you real life, but they enhance your life in order to experience real life. I'm going to say this quote a couple times, I'm sure, through the message, but I'm just going to give it to you now. So get your notes out, get your journals out, write this down. This is the heart of the message. Spiritual disciplines are not the answer Jesus is. Spiritual disciplines, they're great. But they're not the answer. Jesus is the answer. So tonight, uh, we're really just going to be laying some some foundational groundwork for the rest of the series that we're going to be in for a hot minute. Somebody say, a hot minute. So to kick off this message, we're going to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is Paul talking. Paul's a gangster. Paul's Paul's legit. And uh, he knows how to write some good scripture. And so we're going to see what he has to say about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's on the screen. Here's what he says. He says, don't you realize that you're in a race and everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Who wants to win? Run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I love this part. Check this out. So I run my race. I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. In other words, he's saying, I'm not playing around. 
I run my race with purpose. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. If you got a Bible, highlight that, underline that, write that down, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Man, that's a good passage right there. Okay, okay. If you're taking notes tonight, the title of the message is The Secret of the Easy Yoke. And I'm not talking about how you like your eggs, okay? I know that's what you thought. I'm not talking about how you like your eggs. We're talking about the easy yoke. We're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, let's pray. I want to invite you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's invite God into this moment. Holy Spirit, man, we thank you so much for tonight. I'm so grateful to be here, God. We could be anywhere else tonight. We could be at home. We could be goofing off. We could be with our friends doing whatever, but we're not. We're here tonight because we love you and because you love us. And so, Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. I thank you that you are here, that Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, is in this room ready to speak. And so guess what? We're ready to listen. So Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. Open our eyes, open our ears, whatever you need to do so we can get this word in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. Okay, y'all ready? Okay, this is a hefty one. You think you can do this? I think you can do it too. Okay, so what in the world are spiritual disciplines? Well, if you're taking notes, here's my working definition. This is kind of what I decided to write about them. Spiritual disciplines are things we do. I'm going to say that again. They are things that we do. So you have to do them, right? Let your neighbor say, you got to do them. They're things we do in order to reorient our life, our habits, our routines in a way that, check this out, feeds our spirit more than our flesh. That's what a spiritual discipline is. Another way to think about it could be spiritual disciplines are things we do to help us know Jesus more and look more like Jesus. Who wants to do that? Yeah, I want to do that. So if you want to do that, we got to have some spiritual disciplines in our life. Really, what they are is they're the things that we do in order to do the things Jesus did, if that makes sense. (laughs) They're the things we do in order to do what Jesus did. You know, as a Christian, you're not just called to be in relationship with Jesus, and that's it. Did you know that? You're not just called to walk with Jesus. You're also called to be transformed into the image of Jesus. You're supposed to look like Jesus, and to prove it to you, Jesus says it. Look at this, John 14, Jesus says this. This isn't Peter talking, because, you know, he, somebody know, Peter can talk, right? This isn't Peter talking. This isn't Moses or anybody else. This is red letters, Jesus talking. Look at what he says. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, say, I'm a you. That, he's talking to me. Truly, truly, I say to you, the, the one who believes in me, the works I do, the things I do, he will also do. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to the Father. Okay, so you may have heard this passage before, but like, let's just pause and think about how massive of a statement Jesus just said right here. Like, Jesus is not just saying, hey, okay, as as followers of me, like, just try your best to imitate me, okay? Like, I know you're just human and you're flawed and like, I'm the son of God (laughs) and I'm perfect, but just like do your best, and like if you don't, it's cool, don't worry about it. Is that what Jesus said? No, no, Jesus says, what I've done, I'm expecting you to do. 
Oh, not only that, I want you to do greater. That's crazy. So in this moment, Jesus is not just like passing the baton to his disciples. He's not just passing the baton to the church. He's not just passing the baton to you and me. He's inviting us to do the things he did and somebody say greater and greater, right? It's kind of like, um, you ever seen those WWJD bracelets? We've seen those before. What does that mean? What would Jesus do, right? What would Jesus do? Well, I think before we get into any of the spiritual disciplines and why they're important, we need to know, well, what are some things Jesus did? Y'all want to know what some things Jesus did? Can we go through some things? Okay, I want to take you through four things. These aren't the only four things Jesus did, right? (laughs) But they are a couple of the things Jesus did. And I want to just kind of do a little thought experiment with you because we know if Jesus did them, then are we supposed to do them? Yes. So check this out. First thing that we see in God's word in Matthew chapter 4, we're going to read a couple scripture, right? A couple verses. Y'all cool with reading Bible in church? We're going to go there. In Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus in the wilderness. You remember this story? He's in the wilderness, and this is directly after he's been baptized, comes out of the water, Holy Spirit falls on him, and he has not eaten in 40 days, y'all. Have you ever not eaten in 40 days? Y'all, in the, in, the fast, in the fast that we do every year at the beginning of the year, I, I can hardly go 20 days without coffee, right? Jesus isn't just like playing around. He's not just like, oh, I'm going to do a 40-day Instagram fast. Like, he hasn't eaten food and water, eaten food and drinking water, in 40 days, okay? So this is where we find him. Let's see what happens. Look at this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Ooh, yikes. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. I feel you, Jesus. I'd be there too. During that time, the devil came. Y'all know this story, right? So the devil comes. He tempts Jesus. I want to skip down. We're not going to read it all to verse 8. Look at what it says. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it to I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Dang. Look what Jesus says, though. Get out of here, Satan. Jesus told him, for the scriptures say. So Jesus knew his Bible. You must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Check this out. This is the last temptation that the devil threw at him. Look at what it says. Then the devil went away, and the angels came and took care of Jesus. So what do we see Jesus doing in this story? Well, first, look at this. You got to think about this for a second with me. We find the Son of God being tempted. That's crazy to think about. Jesus is perfect. He's perfect, always has been perfect. He's fully God and fully man in this moment, but he's tempted. And he's at this point of physical weakness, but what do we see? He's not spiritually weak. He's physically weak, but he's not spiritually weak. And the enemy sees him in this physical weakness, and he's like, oh, this is a moment that I can probably get Jesus to stumble. This is a moment where I can throw some temptation at him, and maybe he'll fall down and worship me. And you know, you and I face temptation every day. How many of you have faced temptation probably in the last 20 minutes, right? For whatever reason, we face temptation on a daily basis because the enemy knows if he's not going to let Jesus off the hook, how many of you know, are we off the hook with temptation? No. And so look at this. In this passage, even though temptation is present, 
And even though the devil in this moment is literally present, you know what's not present in this story? Sin. You know what's not present in this story? Jesus doesn't sin. Even though he's physically weak, even though he's tempted to choose something that was not God's best, he doesn't, right? He doesn't sin. So remember, what did Jesus say in John 14? He said, the the things I did, you're going to do and greater. Well, what does that mean for you and me? If you're taking notes, write this down. If Jesus overcame temptation, I can overcome temptation. Amen, students? If Jesus could overcome temptation, then guess what? You can too. That's something Jesus did. Let's go to the next thing. What else was Jesus doing? Well, in John 13, we find Jesus with his disciples doing something that they least expected Jesus to do. Look at this. Starting in verse 3, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So in other words, Jesus is God and he knows it. That's what that first part says. He's God, he's king of the universe, and he knows it. But in this moment, he does something that totally flips our mindset of authority and power on its head. Look at this. So he gets up from the meal, takes off his outer clothing, wraps a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin. Y'all familiar with this story? Poured water into a a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. So in this moment, Jesus has every right to be worshipped by every single person in that room. In fact, if you were a disciple in the room, you would probably be wanting to jump at any opportunity to serve Jesus in this way, right? But none of the disciples in that room are serving Jesus, and they should be. But what does he do? He decides to take the role of a servant. Not because they deserved it, right? Not because they earned it, just because, well, these are God's people. These are people created in God's image. And so, and it's in our nature to want to be seen. We want to be in power. We want to be served. You know, we we surround ourselves with people that we like, right? (laughs) We surround ourselves with people who will serve us more than they'll need us to serve them. And we'll we'll set ourselves up in a way where we're seen and we're noticed. But in this moment, Jesus does the complete opposite. And he takes a position where he's unseen, he's actually demoted, and he serves people. Look at this. If you're taking notes, write this down. If Jesus served others, I can serve others. Write that down if you're taking notes. If Jesus served others, I can serve others. We're talking about things Jesus did. You guys hanging in with me? Is this okay? You, make, you, you following along? I got two more for you, two more examples for you. This is important to know. Look at this. In Luke 9, we find Jesus doing something else. We find him. He's coming up to this dude. He's got a son, and his son is demon-possessed, right? You're probably familiar with this story. And the disciples, they're trying to cast out this demon, and they're just totally sucking. <laughs> they're just, they're like missing it completely, and the father is like, dude, are these even your disciples? They suck. They, they can't do anything. Look at what it says. Jesus said to them, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I put up with you? Yikes. Oof. That stung a little bit. Then he said to the man, bring your son here. As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him in a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father, all gripped the people, uh, all gripped for the people as they saw this majestic display of power. 
I was thinking about this as I was writing this part of the message. This is a really cool thought. In Matthew chapter 4, remember when Jesus is in the wilderness? Do you guys remember that? When he's in the wilderness, he's on the defense. So, like, he's in a weak state physically, and the enemy sees this, and he's like, dude, this is an opportunity for me me to get the Son of God to do what Adam did. I'm going to try and get the Son of God to sin. So he shows up in this physical weakness state for Jesus, but Jesus, we know he's not spiritually weak. But he, he is on the defense. The enemy is attacking him, and he overcomes the sin. But in this situation, in Luke 9, the enemy's present. But when Jesus shows up, he's not on the defense. He's on the offense. Yeah. Jesus came out with like a sword. He's like, I'm about to cut some demons right now. Yeah. Right? Jesus is on the offense, and we see him not just being on the offense for himself. We, being, we see him being on the offense for other people. Yeah. And look at this. He's not being attacked, but he shows up into a person's life who needs to be set free with the authority that he knows he has. And he comes in and he's just like on the offense because he's spiritually strong. So what, this is something Jesus did. Remember, we looked at what would Jesus do? We're talking about the things Jesus did. Write this down if you're taking notes. If Jesus healed and set free others, I can heal and set free others. Somebody needs to say amen to that. If Jesus healed and set free others... With the help of Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit, guess what? You can heal and set free others. Is this good? Is this helping anybody? I've got one more for you, one more example. In Matthew 26, we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you know, in the timeline of the Bible, how many of you know, this is the night before Jesus goes to the cross. And he knows, this is like the night before your big test. (laughs) You ever felt that anxiety before a big test you didn't study for? Now imagine that times like trillions. Like Jesus is in the garden. He knows the cross is coming. And he's so anxious. The Bible says that he's at the point where he's so anxious, he's sweating drops of blood. Super, super nervous. And look at what happens. Matthew 26. Then he said to them, talking about the disciples, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here with me and keep watch with me. And he went a little far beyond them and he fell on his face and he prayed saying my father if it's possible if there's any other option let this cup pass from me but look what he says he doesn't stay there he says yet not as I will but as you will okay so look at this we find Jesus in this story being so raw being completely real. He is not fit. He's not putting up a front in front of the disciples. Like, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's just the cross. Like, like I'm like, like terrified on the inside, but just putting up a front, like, nah, I'm good. It's not a big deal. No, no, no. We see Jesus being so transparent with his father. I'm telling you, he's hit a level of transparency here that I've never reached with father God and that you've probably never reached with father God. And look at what he says. He literally says, God, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can take this cross. It seems like too much for me. He literally says, if there's any other way than the cross, I want it. But look at this. Look at this. He doesn't stay there. In this moment where God's will is taking Jesus somewhere, he does not want to go. Look at what happens. Write this down if you're taking notes. If Jesus followed God no matter what, I can follow God no matter what. 
Is that good? If Jesus followed God no matter what, then guess what? You can follow God no matter what. So those were the four things. Those are the four examples I wanted to walk you through. These are some things that Jesus did. What did we look at? He overcame temptation. He served people. What else did he do? He set people free. He healed people. He was for people. He followed God no matter what. God called Jesus to do all of those things. And according to Jesus, guess what? You're called to do those things too. You're called to do all of those things too. Here's the only problem, New Song students. Here's the only problem. We can follow, or we can't follow in the footsteps of Jesus by simply knowing the things that he did. Like, I can know all of the stories that Jesus did. That doesn't make serving people easier. <laughs> serving people is still hard sometimes. I could have a, a WWJD bracelet on my wrist, and whenever I'm in a moment where I'm nervous, I could look at it and be like, what would Jesus do in this moment? And I could hypothetically figure out what he would do and still choose the opposite. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Like just knowing what Jesus would do is not enough. It's not enough. So look at this. Here's something we got to understand about Jesus. Uh, be, just because he was called to do all of those things that we just looked at, even though he was the son of God, it didn't just come automatically for him. Like Jesus had to train like an athlete, just like Paul talked about. Look at this. I'll prove it to you. Luke chapter 2. This is a really cool passage. This is cool to think about. Look at what it says. It says, and Jesus grew in wisdom. That's crazy to think about. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Why in the world would the son of God need to grow in wisdom? Well, it's because at one point in Jesus' life, he lacked the wisdom he needed. That's crazy to think about, y'all. That's pretty meta. You know what I'm saying? Jesus lacked, Jesus lacked wisdom, but... What did he do? He trained himself. He had spiritual disciplines to prepare. He didn't just show up to the wilderness and then know what to do. He was training for that moment his whole life. Are you hearing me, New Song students? Look at this. I love, I love what Dallas Willard says. If you want to take a picture of the screen for this quote, I'm just telling you, you should. Look at what it says. It says, in this truth lies the secret of the easy yoke. Some of y'all are like, we haven't talked about the yoke yet. We're going to get there. But look at this. The secret involves living as if Jesus lived, or living as Jesus lived in his entirety, adopting his overall lifestyle. Following in his steps cannot be equated with behaving as he did when he was on the spot. <laughs> to live as Christ lived is to live as he did all of his life. Ooh, okay, okay. So to help illustrate this, about a year ago, um, this was, actually, this was almost two years ago now. That's crazy to think about. This is at the beginning of lockdown. You guys remember the beginning of lockdown? You were probably watching a lot of TV. You were probably really bored, right? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. When things were shut down? Well, I talked about this last week. Haley and I, we like boring TV. We like documentaries. We watched a documentary last year in the middle of lockdown, and it was a CrossFit documentary. And <laughs> I had, you know, I'm a pretty... I like, I, like ath I like athletics, I'm kind of, in, I was into fitness before I watched this documentary, but I didn't really know anything about CrossFit, didn't really care about it, honestly, but I watched this documentary, and I, fi I finished it like, I'm doing that. <laughs> that stuff is cool. 
I don't know what I need to do, but I want to do CrossFit. Now, if you don't know anything about CrossFit, CrossFit is it's just like working out, except it's always a race. <laughs> so if you're really competitive, like Haley and I, where are my competitive people at? If you're really competitive, I'm telling you, you need to try CrossFit. Because check this out. Here's what CrossFit is. It's like this. Here's a workout. Do it as fast as you can. Go. <laughs> it's probably not the safest thing in the world, but it's pretty fun. And so, so we watch this documentary, and we're just like fired up. We're like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do CrossFit. And if you know anything about CrossFit, um, every year there is this thing that happens called the CrossFit Games. Oh, and it's kind of like the Olympics for CrossFit. And so all of these athletes come together in this big arena, and it's a whole week long, and they just do a bunch of crazy, like some of the strongest, just most ridiculous workouts you've ever seen, and these guys make it look really easy. It's because all these just massive dudes walking around like this. <laughs> but they make these workouts look easy, and it's kind of annoying. In fact, last year... Um, during the CrossFit Games, we watched the whole thing because there were some athletes that we were following. And in this particular year, they released all of the workouts that they were going to do early. So, yeah, I know. So, Haley and I, we're looking at the list of all the workouts, and we're like, man, how, would it, how cool would it be if we tried these out and then saw, like, how good we are compared to the pros? <laughs> Somebody say, that's a bad idea. <laughs> That is a bad idea. So, so this one particular workout, I don't remember what it's called, but do you, are you okay if I tell you about this workout? Okay, so this is the workout. It was 10 rounds. Okay, you following me? 10 rounds. So you do the workout like 10 times. And, it's, and you, the time cap is 10 minutes. So you have to do it in under 10 minutes, okay? Here's what the workout was. The workout was 10 barbell snatches. Do you know what a snatch is? It's when you have the barbell and you go like this. Do you see that form? You got to get that butt out. Okay, so, so you do 10 barbell snatches, like just really fast, from the ground all the way up, and the men's weight was 135 pounds. I didn't do it at that weight. <laughs> so you do 10 of those, and then you go straight into 10 burpees over the barbell. I hate burpees. Okay, so think about this for a second. 10, 10 snatches, drop down, 10 burpees, and you do that 10 times in under 10 minutes. Okay, so, so, so I do this workout. Haley and I, we've got a little garage gym in our garage. I do this in our garage, and I did not do it at 135 pounds. I scaled it. I did it at 115 pounds, which is still pretty good. And I come into my garage, and I've, like, got the mindset, like, I'm pretending I'm at the CrossFit Games. I've got the lights on me. There's thousands of people watching me. Like the fittest people in the world are right next to me in my brain. And I start the clock and I do this workout. And I, I'm telling you, I left it all out on the floor there. I did it as fast as I could, as hard as I could. I wanted to cry the whole time. <laughs> but I did it. And when I finished, I was like, dude, there's no way I could have done that any faster. Like that was as best as I could have ever done. And at this point, like I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a pro athlete, CrossFit athlete, but, like, I was pretty strong. Like, I'd been doing CrossFit for a while. You want to know what my time was? Okay, so the time cap was 10 minutes. I couldn't even do it in the time cap. I did it in 11 minutes and 30 seconds, which is really good. Okay, okay. 
Okay, so, wow, I was not expecting an applause. I love you guys. That was, that, that helps me. Okay, so, check this out. I do it, I do it in 11 minutes and 30 seconds. Fast forward to the, later in the day. Later in the day, we watch this event live. And very quickly, I realized I'm not even on the same planet as these people. Do you guys want to know how, how fast the men did this workout? Under three minutes. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. They did that workout in under three minutes. So can you imagine being in my shoes? I just gave it all. And I watched this. You know what my thought was? I quit. I was like, I was like man, CrossFit's stupid. Like, I don't even want to do CrossFit anymore. Like, I was so discouraged. But here's the thing. Check this out, New Song students. All of those, this is really good. All of those athletes that were crushing that workout, guess what? They didn't get there overnight. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing, New Song students. They're, they're super strong, and they're making this really hard task look really easy. But what you can't see in an event like that is all of the preparation it took to get there. What you can't see in that moment is the cost that those people were willing to pay in order to get there. Are you hearing me? You, when I watch that, I, I'm seeing just in the spot, but I can't see the days, the hours, the years that they took to prepare themselves to win. Are you hearing me, New Song students? So look at this. Think about this with me. Why would it be any different when we tried to imitate Jesus on the spot? Like, Jesus prepared his entire life to do those things, and sometimes we get discouraged because we don't choose the things Jesus would choose. But that's like me trying to go up and do that workout with no training at all. And this is why spiritual disciplines are required. Are you hearing me, New Song students? So the question is, how do we do what Jesus did? How do we do all of those things that we've talked about tonight? Well, we do them with spiritual disciplines. Those athletes, they didn't do that without any training and without any discipline. And it's the same for us as believers, as Christians. We can't do the things Jesus did just in our own strength. We have to, like Paul said, we have to train like an athlete, right? We've got to train so our body will do what it should, so our spirit will choose what it should. And so, really quickly, before we get ready to close, I want to give you some spiritual disciplines. Are you hanging in with me? I want to give you a list of spiritual disciplines, and then we're going to finally get to that yoke, that tasty yoke that we started this message with. So look at this. There are two types of spiritual disciplines, and we're going to get into these in the rest of the series, so I'm not really going to talk about any, any of them. I'm just going to give, them a, give you a list so you know what we're talking about. There are two types of spiritual disciplines. The first one are spiritual disciplines that starve your flesh. Somebody say, starve your flesh. And there are other spiritual disciplines that feed your spirit. So how many of you know? Bible says that when we come to Jesus, we actually have a dead spirit. But when we come to Jesus and he gives us a new life, we're born again. And that spirit that was dead, just like Jesus, is resurrected. And now we have a new spirit. But our, our mind and our soul, all of that is still old. And it needs to be transformed. And so the disciplines of abstinence are things that we do to starve our flesh that wants to keep sinning. Does that make sense? I want to give you a list of what they are. Check this out. And we're going to get in these in the rest of the series. So just write them down. 
But these are disciplines that starve your flesh. Solitude and fasting, frugality, purity, ooh, secrecy, and sacrifice. These are just a few of the spiritual disciplines that we do in order to starve our flesh. The thing that doesn't want to choose God's best. Y'all ready for the spiritual disciplines of engagement, though? These are the ones that feed our spirit. Because how many of you know, whatever you feed is going to keep growing, right? So if we feed our spirit, guess what? It's going to get stronger. Look at this. These are disciplines that feed our spirit. Study. And you know what that includes? That includes, like, studying your Bible. That includes, like, reading Christian books. Like, that includes studying God, who he is. Worship is a spiritual discipline. That thing we did before service, that's a spiritual discipline. Celebration. Serving. You know, when you guys volunteer in the kids' classes, you are doing spiritual disciplines. You're serving people. Praying is a spiritual discipline. Fellowship. What's fellowship? That's what we're doing right now. Church is a spiritual discipline. Confession and submission. Y'all hanging in with me? Is this good stuff? Okay. We're going to get ready to close. In fact, Jay, you can throw on some music. But um, what I want us to know about spiritual disciplines. Remember, this is, the, well, this is what we kicked off the message with. This is my heart. This is my burden. This is why we're talking about this in week one. Spiritual disciplines are not the goal Jesus is. Like you could do all of these things every single day and not be doing it for the right reasons. You could be doing them because you think you need to earn God's love for you or you need to earn your way to be a good Christian. But here's the thing, look at this. The real life that this whole series is named after that Jesus gives you cannot be earned. It can never be earned. It can only be received. And I, I stumbled upon a quote this week. I wanna share it with you. It's so good. Look at this. This is talking about the grace, the life that we receive through Jesus. Grace is not opposed to action. It's just opposed to earning. So that means the real life that we get from Jesus yeah, I'm not opposed to doing spiritual disciplines, but here's what I am opposed to, doing them in order to earn God's love. Because guess what? This real life that we're talking about, you could never earn it. It's literally a gift to you. All the spiritual disciplines that we're gonna talk about in this series do is they help you experience that real life better. They help you experience life in God. Amen? Okay, as we get ready to close, we're gonna finally get to that, that tasty yolk. <laughs> that yoke that is not actually eggs, um, that Jesus wants to give us. Look at this, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Look at what this says. You've heard this verse before. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Y'all like that? Man, that's a good promise right there. Jesus says, hey, come to me, whatever, you, whatever you're carrying, and I will give you rest. But it doesn't stay there. Jesus isn't saying, a life with me is easy. He's not saying it's just, you're not gonna have to do any work with me. Cause look at the next part of this verse. I will give you rest, but take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your, your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give is light. Okay, so I brought a picture of what a yoke is because when I hear yoke, I just think of a scrambled egg, right? <laughs> It's the first thing I think of, but I brought a picture of a yoke. Can we put it up there? This is what Jesus is talking. Oh, oh, that's a little zoomed in. Um, 
If he can't fix it, it's okay. That's a, oh, there we go, there we go. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's not talking about scrambled eggs. He's not talking about how you like your breakfast. This is a yoke right here. And what it was, was it was a piece of wood that would be put on top of a cow or an ox, and it would allow them to connect that cow to a cart that would carry stuff. You following me? And this cow would have a burden on its shoulders and it would connect it to this cart so it could do some work. Somebody say, do some work. So when the Bible, when Jesus is talking about a yoke, what is he talking about? Well, he's, talk, he's talking about obligation to God. What he's saying is, hey, I'm gonna give you this burden to bear and it's easy, it's light, but what this burden is gonna do is it's gonna connect you to God and it's not gonna let you drive anymore. <laughs> so you're connected to God, but you don't get to call the shots anymore. But you also do have something that you're gonna carry. So here's three things I think we need to know. Because when I'm talking about the yoke for us tonight, what I'm talking about is the things Jesus did. Remember all those things we talked about earlier? Those are things, that's a burden you're called to bear. You're called to overcome temptation. You're called to serve people. You're called to set people free. You're called to follow God no matter what. You following me? That's your yoke, right? So how, how do we know we're holding the right yoke? Well, number one, write this down. We gotta understand that there's a weight that we carry whether it's from Jesus or not. There's a weight that we carry. There's a yoke on your shoulders whether Jesus gave it to you or not. And I think sometimes we think that people in the world who aren't following Jesus, they just got it easy because they don't have to serve anybody and they can just do whatever they want. It's probably so much easier to not follow Jesus because you can just do whatever you want and you can make your own decisions and you can live your life. But as a Christian, man, I've got to follow God's word. I've got to trust him. I've got to live by faith. But can I tell you that just because you're not following Jesus doesn't mean you don't have a yoke. Look at this quote. I love this quote from Dallas Willard. He says, to depart from righteousness is to choose a life of crushing burdens, failures, and disappointments. A life caught in the toils of endless problems that are never solved. But this is so good, look at this. The cost of discipleship, the yoke that Jesus wants to put on you, though it may take all we have, is small compared to the lot of those who don't accept Christ's invitation to be in company with his will. Do you hear what I'm saying? In other words, yeah, yeah, Jesus is gonna give you some weight. He's gonna give you some responsibility, but at the end of the day, compared to living without him, that burden is so much better to bear. Point number two is this, write this down. It's not one size fits all. The yoke that Jesus gives you is not one size fits all. In other words, they would readjust the yoke depending on the size of the cow or the ox. What does that mean for you and me? Well, that means you don't need to compare how you're doing with your spiritual disciplines to me. You don't need to be looking at me and thinking, oh, I need to do everything that Pastor Jackson is doing in order to be a good Christian. Can I tell you, the way that I sought God a year ago, five years ago, is so different than the way I'm seeking God today. And that's because it changes as we grow. And so here's what I'm saying. Your burden to bear is not the same burden that I'm called to bear. And so there's no reason for us to feel shame when we hear about somebody who's 
praying more than us or reading God's more than us. We don't need to see that and think, oh man, I need to be doing that right now if I'm not there yet. Are you hearing me? It's not one size fits all. So my question to you is not, don't do it at all. It's what is God calling you to do in this season? Right now, what is, what is the yoke God's called you to right now? And the last thing is we get ready to close. This is so important. This is, this is the whole thing right here. If the yoke is hard and heavy, it's not from Jesus. If the yoke is hard and heavy, it's not from Jesus. I wanna close with this. David Guzik says this. He says, if your yoke is hard and your burden is heavy, then we can say that it isn't his yoke or burden and you aren't letting him bear it with you. Oh, Jesus said it plainly. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here's why Jesus's burden is easy and his yoke is light because he carries it with you. And so if we're doing spiritual disciplines, but we aren't doing them with Jesus, then yeah, it's gonna be really heavy. And you're gonna feel like you're constantly missing the mark, but that's not what God's called you to do. He's called you to carry the yoke with him. Amen, New Song students. I wanna invite you to bow your head and close your eyes as we get ready.